Welcome to the Gather Houston podcast. We are a Christian community practicing the way of Jesus in all parts of life and for the good of all people. Thank you for joining us today. So I am uh, continuing our conversation on our confession of faith that we just spoke out loud uh, together. And um, as a reminder for like the fourth time, some of you were like, let's fast forward through this part. As a reminder, this confession of faith I wrote as kind of a framework for the kind of faith we want to have as a community. We have a lot of people that are or have or are about to start uh, deconstructing their faith, which just means they're kind of pulling apart all the uh, religious and cultural beliefs they were given and determining whether they are still good and right and true uh, for them. And so we have a lot of people who are deconstructing. I think that's a beautiful, uh, holy process. And so uh, we wanted to write kind of a framework to have some shared language about the faith that we want to have as a community. Not so much about the stuff we want to throw to the side, which there's plenty of that, and I think that's an important conversation too. Um, But what is the kind of faith we want to have? What's the framework? What's the shared language uh, we want to have? So it's not about uh, all agreeing with one another, and it's not about all being totally certain about any of these things. It's just about journeying together towards um, some common things. So uh, today uh, we're going to have a conversation about having a curious faith. We say that every week we want a faith marked by curiosity. And curiosity um, isn't typically one of the most common ways that other people describe Christians. So if you look at the research, what people say about Christians, curious isn't at the top of the list, right? It's not in the top five. It's not usually in the top 20. No one is saying, like, the Christian guy who's my neighbor is so curious. He's always asking me so many meaningful questions. What is typically in that top five, usually number one from almost every bit of research, is that Christians are judgmental. Christians are judgmental. And um, to be honest, I think it is a fair critique (laughs) I think that's pretty fair. A lot of Christians are judgmental. And um, I I think for me today, that's why this conversation about curiosity is so important and why it's such an important part of the ethos of our community because I really believe that having a curious faith keeps us from having a judgmental faith. That the reason so many of us were given and even maybe still have a judgmental kind of faith is because we don't have a curious faith. Or curiosity cures judgment. And like many of you, I grew up going to Sunday school and uh, uh, children's choir and Awanas and RAs and all of every Sunday school, all the things that you could go to all Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. And um, if you did that, like I did, um, you know about what the like Sunday school answer was. So if you weren't paying attention to your Sunday school teacher and they ask you a question while you weren't paying attention, attention, there was one answer you gave that was pretty much always correct. Jesus, that was the answer. So pretty much anything they ask. If they ask, uh, Josh, who, who's the friend you're going to invite to church next week? You said, uh, Jesus. They would be like, actually, that's really good. Way to go. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that. Pretty much every time, if you said Jesus, you were right. And it was kind of the shared joke around church kids 
But it was also how I, and I think a lot of us, ended up kind of building our theological view, was that Jesus was the answer. That Jesus unlocked all the mystery of the world. That Jesus was the ultimate answer man. But when you read the Gospels, it turns out that Jesus isn't the answer man. He's more like the great questioner. Because Jesus asks so many more questions than he gives answers. To be exact, um, in the Gospels, Jesus asks 307 questions. He asks 307 questions. He is asked, in the Gospels, 183 questions. So he asks 307 Other people ask him 183 questions. Um, He gives answers to three of those. He gives three answers. So for every question Jesus asks, for every question Jesus asks, uh, I said that backwards, for every answer Jesus gives, he asks 100 questions. That's what I'm trying to say. 100 questions for every one answer. So when we say every week, we want a faith marked by curiosity because we believe we should always have more questions than we do answers, we are rooting our faith in Jesus. This is the Jesus way. Curiosity is one of the most profound gifts that Jesus gives us. And even more than that, embracing a curious faith keeps us from having a judgmental faith. There's a great story in John chapter 4. Uh, it's the story of Jesus and the woman at the well. And so uh, you can pr- you pretty much catch all the characters there, Jesus and the woman in the well. And um, it may not seem like it if you read through it on, uh, on your own, but it's a pretty scandalous story. So uh, Jesus is traveling from town to town and um, he stops at this well. That's the main character here in the story of Jesus and the woman at the well. He's at the well. He's waiting for his disciples. They've gone into town to get food. Uh, he's hanging out, and a Samaritan woman uh, comes to the well to get water. And um, it was a very abnormal thing to do, but Jesus engages this woman in conversation. So Jesus asks her all kinds of questions and tells her all about himself. But Jesus is a Jewish rabbi. He is a very prominent uh, Jewish man. He has high social standing. And the Samaritan woman is like on the, on the uh, opposite side of the social capital uh, scale. She's very low social standing. At very best, Samaritans were second-class citizens and more um, like people who were publicly abused and shamed. Jesus was not supposed to be talking to her. It's very outside of the cultural norms, but Jesus does. And he talks, he tells her that he's living water and that he's the Messiah. And Jesus asks about this woman, woman's husband. And she says, well, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, well, I know you don't have a husband uh, because you've had five husbands. And it's just kind of a really uh, scandalous, kind of interesting uh, conversation that happens between Jesus and this Samaritan woman. And then it says in John chapter 4, verse 27, that just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. So the disciples come back and they see this interaction happening and they are surprised. And in the second half of verse 27, it says, but no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? No one asked anything. In fact, this was their response to Jesus. And in verse 31 of John chapter four, they said, Rabbi, eat something, eat something. You must be super hungry if you're doing this thing you're not supposed to be doing. So the disciples show up, and um, it's, it's of note that they didn't ask any questions because it would have been a scenario that you should probably ask a question, but instead they were silently surprised. You can kind of feel their head tilt 
when you read it, like, that they showed up and went, hmm. And it says, no one asked. So what, what happened is they made, a, they made a conclusion without asking a question. They made a conclusion without asking a question. So do you think that was curiosity or that was judgment from the disciples? No one asked a question. Jesus is doing something really scandalous, but no one asks. And it just feels like, because it's of note here, that these disciples are practicing more judgment than they are curiosity. And I think, I've been thinking about this little line, but no one asked a question. I've been thinking about these disciples who uh, came to a conclusion about this interaction and about this woman before they ask a question. I've been thinking about it for a couple weeks. And I wonder that if my own journey, my own faith, if it were narrated like these disciples' journey with Jesus was narrated, how many times that same line would come up for me? And then no one asked a question. That I maybe have had mysterious and interesting, confounding, confusing, amazing experiences, and then no one asked a question. That over and over again, I just come to conclusions without asking questions. I make judgment calls before I ask a question. Right? Each of these little encounters in our lives where we, where we come to a conclusion before we ask a question, each of those encounters where we fail to practice real curiosity, each of those move us towards a mo- more judgmental way of life. A lot of us, um, a lot of us have felt judgment from our family or friends or former communities as we have made different decisions about our religious or cultural or political beliefs. A lot of us have felt judgment this year if we has have as we've made decisions about uh, things like masks and vaccines and. We felt judgment for all, all kinds of things. I, I, I have. I've had more than a few, uh, over the last uh, year, I've had more than a few uh, coffees where people have told me they wanted to catch up with me. And then we sat down at coffee and they didn't want to catch up with me. What they wanted to do is they wanted to, um, they wanted to tell me that they were worried about me. Or they came to persuade me to change some social view I had expressed around Black Lives Matter or LGBTQ inclusion. Or maybe they came to coffee to catch up, but they were really warning me that my theological views were a slippery slope. It's one of my favorite terms. So here's my challenge for myself. Okay, so this is for me. I think it's for you too, but it's for me. Here's my challenge that as a follower of Jesus, we are called to offer the same kind curiosity that we wished we received from other people. That we're called to offer that same curiosity. There's a siren going by. I could edit this stuff out, but I just don't. Um, So that's the challenge. That as followers of Jesus, we're called to offer the same curiosity that we wished was offered to us. So with your family and your friends and your former or current communities of people that you are involved in, 
just ask a question. You know, they hold the same views that you held like five minutes ago. So be curious. Don't be condescending. Be curious. Like your, uh, your, your, fa- whoever uh, gave you uh, your faith experience, maybe it's probably your parents, but it may be some other people in your life. Whoever passed that on to you, something that was given to them, right? So they're passing on what was given to them. So maybe just ask your, ask your parents or whoever that is in your life, um, maybe ask them who their influences were, who passed on this faith to you. Ask why a a particular belief is so important to them. Ask how it makes them feel that you've changed their mind. And maybe you think you know the answer, but go ahead and ask anyway. Ask ask anything. Don't be condescending. Be curious. The call is to offer the same curiosity that we wish we were receiving. And that true curiosity will fend off the judgment that we typically default towards. Right? That's why we're seeking a curious faith. That's why we're seeking questions over conclusions. Right? Because our curiosity helps us avoid snap judgments. So for you, if there was a scale, a spectrum, with curiosity way over here and judgment way over here, if there was a, lo- a long spectrum, where would you fall? between curiosity and judgment? Where would you fall? Like if, if, if your life was being narrated, would they just keep saying over and over again? And then they ask no question. And here they are again, coming to a conclusion without asking a question. Where are you on the spectrum between curiosity and judgment? And what's keeping you from embracing a more curious faith? a more curious life. Uh, maybe you're the kind of person that you just, you, you need the answers. Like when we say out loud every week that we think we should have more questions than we do answers, that just like raises your blood pressure automatically. Maybe you're that kind of person. But I think for most of us, there are probably two main reasons that we fail to embrace a curious faith. I think the, the first is that we lack some humility Right? Humility says, uh, I don't have all the answers, and I don't even have the ability to understand all the different points of view. And our judgment is often rooted in this idea that, that we know best for everyone else. That we don't just know the best for ourselves, we also know what's best for you, and you over there, and you over there. That our judgment is often rooted in this lack of humility that says, I know all the answers. So maybe practicing some humility or just an admission that you don't know everything would increase your curiosity, would open up some space in your life to ask some more questions. And then I think some of us struggle with curiosity because we lack patience. Right? Patience says, I don't have to figure this out right now, or I don't have to have an opinion about this right now, or I don't have to share my opinion about this Right now, curiosity is a slow practice. It is so slow to ask questions. Being judgmental is fast. It is so fast. It is, it is really, it's pretty easy. It's really convenient. Curiosity is slow work. It's difficult, right? Curiosity is 
difficult and slow. So maybe just an acknowledgement that you lack some patience might help you walk down the road towards more curiosity. Viktor Frankl says, between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. So maybe you could just think about that space this week between stimulus and response. That space between when you receive new information and when you respond to it. That space between when you receive the, the words out of someone's mouth, positive or negative, and you respond to them. That space between stimulus and response. Maybe you could focus on that space and just try to lengthen it, widen it out just a little bit, make it big enough for one question. Because that space between stimulus and response, it does not have to be very big for you to make a judgment, for you to come to a conclusion without a question. But it has to be a little bigger, there has to be a little more space there to fit in a question. So maybe for you, you could just focus on that space between stimulus and response and just try to fit one question in this week. Just a little added curiosity. Or maybe you could have the humility and the patience in that space between stimulus and, re- stimulus and response to say, let me think about it for a little while. Maybe you need to say that out loud a few times. Maybe that's your practice for the week. Let me think about it for a little while. Curiosity is the remedy to our frequent judgment. We are seeking a curious faith where we have so many more questions than we do answers. The uh, great Vietnamese monk uh, Thich Nhat Hanh says, when you plant lettuce, if it does not grow well, you don't blame the lettuce. You look for reasons it's not doing well. It may need fertilizer or more water or less sun. You never blame the lettuce which in and of itself is a beautiful lesson about curiosity. But I want you to hear today, if your faith experience, if your religious journey has not birthed a lot of curiosity, don't blame yourself. You are not to blame. Curiosity only grows in safety. Systems of harm, systems of abuse, do not allow for curiosity or questioning. All systems of harm, family systems, religious systems, all systems of harm do not allow for curiosity or questions. Curiosity only grows in safe spaces. And so don't blame yourself. Offer no blame or judgment this week. Rather, just start practicing curiosity with yourself. Check on that fertilizer and the sun and the water. Practice some curiosity with no blame. And hear for me today that God is a safe space for you. God is a safe space uh, for your questions, for your concerns, for your comments. God is a safe space for uh, your journey and your processing. And God is such a safe space that he does not require you to come to a certain set of conclusions, require everyone to end up in the same place. God is a safe space for you, and this community is a safe space for you. It is safe enough for your questions, safe enough for your processing, safe enough for you to not end up in the same place where anyone else is in our community. And so ask all of your questions. Ask any of your questions. Ask who and what and why and where. 
Ask why any of it matters. Ask if anybody cares at all. Ask all the questions because you are safe. And because we are seeking a faith marked by curiosity, we believe we should always have more questions than we do answers. And so gather, this is my prayer for you today. Free yourself from the need to blame or judge or have an opinion. Free yourself from the blame or judgment of others. Practice humility and patience as you rest in the space between stimulus and response. Embrace curiosity and be free. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in Gather, check out our website at gatherhouston.org or visit us on Sunday at 10 a.m.